In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation at the start of this new week. And as always, we'd like to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many wonderful titles. Mary is the Mother of God, the greatest of all the titles given to Mary. Mary is also the Mother of the Church. And Mary is the Mother of each and every one of us. But we say in that beautiful prayer, which is the Hail Holy Queen, we invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's turn to Mary and beg Mary to pray with us and to pray for us. And in the words of Father Patrick Payton, the family that prays together stays together. So let's start off by saying that prayer that Mary loves most, and that is the Hail Mary. Together. Hail Mary, <coughs> full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now, my friends, let's invite to be with us our spiritual director. And our spiritual director, my friends, is the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit also has many wonderful titles. Holy Spirit is known as the paraclete. Holy Spirit is known also as the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of our souls. Holy Spirit is also known as the sanctifier. Holy Spirit is also known as the consoler or counselor. Holy Spirit is also known as our interior master or teacher. We read in Romans chapter 8 that we really don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans groans so that we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. This being the case, together as a family, let's pray to the Holy Spirit. Humbly imploring the Holy Spirit to pour His light into our minds. And to set our hearts on fire 
with the love of God. As we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your Spirit and they shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in His consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Saint Gabriel, pray for us. Saint Raphael, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. Here in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. How true it is, my friends, the family that prays together stays together. A world at prayer is a world at peace. So, my friends, uh, in my Mass that I'll be celebrating today, I promise that I will be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. And I'll be praying for you in, in the greatest of all prayers. And the greatest of all prayers, my friends, is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It is by far the greatest of all prayers. We'll also pray for Mia, who is the niece of Mary Jo. We'll pray for her and her family. I'd like to place all of your intentions on the altar. But I'd like to pray for us as a family that we would strive to be open to God's holy inspirations. Be open to the Holy Spirit. As we say, we can pray this short prayer. Pray for the husband of Marjorie and many other intentions that are in our hearts. And say uh, 
this prayer during the course of the day. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. And I'd like to pray, yes, for your families. Uh, for Mia, for Marjorie's husband, and for our family in general, for our conversion, our sanctification, as well as for our salvation. Pray also, this is very important to, to the heart of Christ, praying for those who will be dying sometime today. Last Sunday we heard in the Gospel the words of our Lord who said, What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So let's pray for those who are dying that they will be saved. That they will be saved. The real purpose of our life, my friends, in this world is very simple. We are here. Pilgrims on a journey. And our journey is toward our heavenly homeland. We're here to get to heaven. The Baltimore Catechism says we're here to know God, to love God, to serve God in this life. So as to be happy with God forever in heaven. So I'd like to place all of your intentions on the altar as we as we uh, celebrate the greatest of all prayers, which is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. You know, my friends, Sunday is Sunday is considered a it's like a mini Easter. It's a day in which we really want to rejoice in the Lord. Considered a real mini Easter. And Pope John Paul II in the early nineties wrote a he wrote a letter. The name of the letter was Dies Domine, which is Latin for the Day of the Lord. In this Pope John Paul II addressed his words to the world at large in the sense that we're losing the sacred quality of Sunday. And the world is becoming more materialistic, more pagan, more secular, more sensual, more hedonistic. We're losing the real sense of what Sunday is. Sunday is the Lord's Day. And the Holy Father says that it should be the Lord's Day, but also it should be Family Day. Those two things. By saying the Lord's Day, the Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II, he highlights the fact that we really live out to the most full extent the Lord's Day, which is, by the way, the third commandment, keep the Lord's Day holy, 
by attending Mass, by participating, by participating fully, actively, and consciously in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. That's right, fully, actively, and consciously in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So, for us to really live out today, unless you're sick, or you're watching over little babies, or your sick husband, we should all make a concerted effort to go to the holy sacrifice of the Mass and to participate fully, actively, and consciously in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. The Second Vatican Council, in the dogmatic constitution on the liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium, points out that we, we nourish ourselves in two ways in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass when we're participating fully, actively, and consciously. We nourish ourselves in two ways. And you might see as a springboard the Our Father in which we say, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. So we, we, we nourish ourselves on the Word of God. We nourish ourselves on the Word of God. And on Sunday we actually have three readings. And then we nourish ourselves on the bread of life. So we have two tables. The table of the Word of God, then we have the table of the body and blood of Christ. The table of the Word of God and the table of the body and blood of Christ. And then the Holy Father points out it should be the Lord's Day, but it also should be the family day. So it's the Lord's Day and it's also Family Day. So my friends, let's enter into the riches of the Word of God. As you mentioned, Sunday we have a very rich platter, a very rich banquet. And we have a relatively short reading from the prophet Ezekiel, who is one of the four major prophets in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Daniel. Then the responsorial psalm is taken from Psalm 95. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Then we have a wonderful reading taken from Romans chapter 13. 
And the summary of this relatively short reading <coughs> is related to love. Love is the fulfillment of the law of all the virtues. The greatest of all virtues is that of love. <coughs> we can call that also charity. And then the gospel for today is a rich gospel from Matthew chapter 18. Well, Jesus is speaking about fraternal correction to correct our brother. And then the, the very end of it is a beautiful verse where Jesus says, where there are two or three gathered in my name, I am in their midst. Jesus is speaking about the importance of praying together, of community prayer. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to pull out one idea, one basic idea from the readings. And the first from Ezekiel is the following. It's something very difficult, but has to be done. And it's called the need for fraternal correction. It's very difficult, but it has to be done. Now, parents, parents, part of your obligation as parents is to teach your children, to instruct your children, to encourage your children, to love your children. But also it's incumbent upon you as parents to correct your children when they're going down the wrong path. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to tell you a story. A story I heard in the life of Padre Pio. It's a some of the stories in the lives of the saints are very strong, striking, challenging. Here's a story. I may get some of the details wrong, but I'll be able to communicate to you the essence of the story related to fraternal correction or the lack of it. Okay, there was a an Italian woman who lived at the time of Padre Pio who had a a daughter who was a, a young woman and the daughter was uh, was very attractive but at the same time this daughter was not only attractive but was was provocative she dressed in a way that was not pleasing to God. Well, Lady Fatima said that many immodest fashions would enter into the world that would gravely offend God. That would gravely offend God.
So here's a story that the mother had this young daughter that dressed provocatively and the, the mother the mother did not correct her daughter for the way that she dressed. So we read in the life of Padre Peel. One occasion the mother comes in where Padre Pio is present in the church and the mother is is devastated. The mother is weeping profusely inconsolate. Padre Pio who is given the grace to read minds, to make prophecies into the future, even to raise people from the dead. And Padre Pio, whose feast day is in September, by the way, he had this stigmata, the wounds of Christ. Padre Pio came out of the confessional and told the woman, I'm really sorry that your daughter died. She was killed in a fatal car accident. But Padre Pio said, I'm even more sad for you because your, your daughter is lost. She's been condemned. She's lost her soul. And the reason behind this young woman dying and losing her immortal soul was the fact that she dressed immodestly and indirectly because the mother and perhaps the father too they did not have the courage to intervene and to give this daughter fraternal correction what the mother should have done is first of all give good example by the way she lives but the mother should not have allowed her daughter to buy apparel that would be offensive to God or if the daughter did buy it behind the mother's back the mother should have said you really can't go out dressed like that. <coughs> so my friends, I know that's a very strong story. I know it's a very strong story. Perhaps some of you are quaking in your boots over that story. But it's a challenge. And I give you that story because because of all The virtues, the greatest of all virtues is charity. And a dimension of charity is fraternal correction. St. Thomas Aquinas says charity is willing the good of the other. So the mother correcting the daughter is willing the good of the other. And Pope 
Benedict XVI. In one of his Lenten messages, the popes over the past 35 years have written short Lenten messages. One was on this topic. Pope Ben XVI wrote a short message on the need for fraternal correction as a dimension of charity. So I'll leave you all with that. And as Mary Jo points out, it is frightening. Edmund Burke made this comment. So that evil to triumph, it's sufficient that good men do nothing. And when we enter into the holy sacrifice of the Mass, the priest makes the sign of the cross and then greets the people, and then we enter into what is called the penitential act. And we pray often the prayer that's attributed to St. Augustine, and that's the confidior. And there are actually four ways in which we can four ways in which we can offend God in thought, word, deed, and omission. When I say sin of omission, it means not doing what we're called to do. Thought, word, deed, and omission. Failing to negligence to carry out what is our obligation. So it's a sin of omission. And perhaps if we examine our conscience, we, we might be responsible in our past life for not doing what we're supposed to do. So I will I will leave that that one story, lay that story in your heart related to the first reading. After the first reading, we have Psalm ninety five. The antiphon, my friends, is if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Another story. This story I heard from um, Father Clifford, who is a Franciscan priest that EWTN took some of his homilies, short, concise, substantial homilies that Father Clifford would give. And many of the homilies Father Clifford would give would focus upon a topic and he would tell a story. So I'd like to tell you another story. And this is related to the responsorial psalm. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. It's a story of a new pastor that is installed in his new parish. And the first Sunday, he preaches a homily. 
And the people are strongly moved by his homily. Very moved by his homily. It was an excellent homily. The people complimented him. The following week, the new pastor gave the same homily. People thought, that's a good idea. Don't quit a winner. Third week, he gave the same homily. Once again, the people thought, yeah, well, perhaps there are people that didn't show up. It's good that they hear it. The fourth week, he gave the same homily. People said, okay, well, we'll let it fly. The fifth week, he gave the same homily. And he did this every Sunday for about ten weeks in a row. After the ten weeks, these two old lady in tennis shoes came up to him and they said, Father, compliments. We really like your homily. But we've heard it ten weeks in a row. Do you have another homily? And the priest responded by saying, Yes, I have many, many other homilies. But I will give a new homily once you people put into practice the first homily. It's a good story. And I think you understand the interpretation of that homily. What Father Clifford was trying to convey in that homily, related to the responsorial psalm, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. How often has it happened that we we maybe hear something? We hear something but goes in one ear and then goes out the other ear. I like to call this I like to call this selective listening. Let me give you another example that all of you or parents understand. I think all of you parents will understand this scenario. You have a nine-year-old child. They're both nine and eleven, two boys. And they uh, they don't obey too well. You know, you tell them to get up in the morning and you have to tell them five times. You tell them to make their bed and it takes a fortnight for them to do it. You tell them to clean the bathroom and exercise in futility. And one day, the two boys come up and say, we, we really want to go to, we want to go to Disney. We want to do the rides. We'd like to go for the whole day. So, you tell them, okay, if this week you get up on time, you make your bed, you clean the bathroom, 
You'll leave for school on time. You do your homework. You say your night prayers. Then next Saturday, I will take you to Disney for the whole day. So Monday arrives and you say, hey, time to get up. And they get out of bed as if their pants were on fire. They make their bed. They're in and out of the bathroom. And the bathroom is spotless. They're in the car ready to go to to school five minutes before you're there. They're sitting down doing their homework perfectly. They don't fight the whole week. See what I'm pointing out. My point is this, that these two boys, 9 and and 11 years of age, have what is called, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. They listen to and they obey what they want to hear. The fact that they really wanted to go to Disney that Saturday opened up their ears to hear the mother waking them up, getting them to accomplish their domestic chores, getting them to be faithful to their academic activities, getting them to pray, and getting them to live in harmony and peace. Now that story is related to that story is related to to children but I think sometimes we ourselves have what is called selective listening. We hear what we want to hear. We become partially tone deaf partially tone deaf when we hear something that is not according to our tastes. And often it happens when the Holy Spirit inspires us. The Holy Spirit inspires us to practice some type of sacrifice, penance, mortification. He's offering us a cross. We tend to block our spiritual hearing. We don't want to hear it. So that's my comment on the responsorial psalm. That's right, Sophie. Selective listening means we hear what we want to hear. I think we're all responsible of that, for that. We want to pray as we enter into a new week to say with the young Samuel in the temple, Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. So today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, harden not your hearts. So let's move, my friends, from the responsorial psalm. Let's move to the second reading. And over the past few weeks, we have been reading the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Now we arrived at Romans chapter 13. Now, St. Paul says this, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. 
for the for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So love is the the fulfillment of the law. On one occasion we we see this in Luke chapter 10. A man asked Jesus he asked Jesus what what is the greatest? What is the greatest of all the commandments? And then Jesus quoting the Old Testament, the great Shema says responds to the man, the greatest of all the commandments is to love God. Is to love God. But it's not a partial love for God. Rather, we're called to love God. Totally. Love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength. It's a total love. To love God with our whole, the whole fiber of our being. To love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then to love our neighbor as ourselves. Then after that, Jesus gives us the parable of the Good Samaritan. So I'd like to like to tell you another story. And this story I heard in one of the preachings of one of my favorites. Hopefully one of your favorites, too. And this would be Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Often I'll get maybe some of the details are wrong, but I'll, I'll give you the essence of this story. Perhaps some of you are aware of the fact that Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen was nominated by Pope Paul VI to be the head of the propagation of the faith. And this is another name for the missionary activity throughout the world. So if you read Fulton Sheen's Treasures in Clay, there's a chapter, fascinating chapter, where Fulton Sheen speaks about the different visits he had throughout, had throughout the world, different countries. So Fulton Sheen, recounts the following. There was a missionary in a foreign country in which the missionary needed a an interpreter to help him to communicate with the people of that country. So the missionary finds himself at the top of a mountain and beside him is his interpreter. 
What happens is it's getting colder, and all of a sudden, the missionary, the missionary hears a somewhat of a muffled voice from below. And what you hear is, Help! 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 And the missionary looking around sees close to him there's a well or a cistern. And it's getting colder and colder and starting to snow. Once again he hears the voice, Help! So he recognizes that that voice crying out help is from someone who has fallen into the well. And he looks at the interpreter and says, well, I've got to go down to the bottom of that well to help out that person. And the interpreter says, you really can't do it because it's snowing, it's getting very cold. We better descend the mountain and seek refuge. Seek refuge at the bottom of the mountain where there's a motel and a lodge where we can find warmth and a refuge for ourselves. But the missionary priest says, no, it's incumbent upon me to go down to the bottom of the well and to help out that man that's crying out, Help! You heard it. Interpreter says, I'll hear nothing of this. So the interpreter decides to leave the missionary. And the missionary... He starts to descend down into the into the bottom of the well. When he arrives at the bottom well, what has happened is that an individual has fallen into the well, damaging his his health, and there's no way that he can get out. So the missionary hoists the man up from the ground. He loads him over his shoulder and starts to climb up the ladder with the man over his shoulder. And he gets to the top of the well with the man over his shoulder and then decides that the man cannot walk because he's hurt his leg, perhaps he's broken his leg, that he will carry that man from the top of the mountain down to the 
bottom where there is a hotel, there's lodging. Now it's it's gotten really cold and the snow is coming down, covering the ground and the missionary is walking very slowly, methodically. He's heading down toward the foot of the mountain. And they're going down and down and down. Now right before arriving at the refuge, the missionary and the man over his shoulder, they stopped to see that the interpreter never made it to the Refuge. Why? Because he froze to death. That story is great. He froze to death. He was frozen in his own selfishness. His own egotism. So you see there a marked contrast between selfishness and generosity and love. The missionary was living out the, the reading of St. Paul. The missionary was living out Luke chapter 10. To love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. The missionary was living out The missionary was living out the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that's why St. Paul says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever commandment there may be are summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no evil to the neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Beautiful passage, isn't it? Love is the fulfillment of the law. And if you like, I've given you one parallel passage, which would be Luke chapter 10. Jesus speaks about the greatest of all the commandments, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love one neighbor as oneself. And it's true, as Sophie pointed out, this missionary was really living out the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
Now, I think it's incumbent upon us to step back and to ask ourselves with great honesty, how are we living out this commandment? Maybe from zero to ten. How would you rate yourself on living out this commandment? Because, my friends, when all is said, when all is said and done, when the curtains close, when the dust settles, when all is said and done, my friends, we're going to be judged on love. Saint John of the Cross, the mystical doctor of the Church one of the greatest writers in the Spanish language, in his poetic, mystical way, says this, I'll say it in Spanish and then in English. He says, In el ocaso de nuestra existencia, seremos juzgados sobre el amor. In el ocaso de nuestra existencia, seremos juzgados sobre el amor. Translated into English, in the twilight of our existence, we will be judged on love. That takes us right into the gospel. My friends, in the Sunday Mass that we have these three readings, usually... The first reading, which is taken from the Old Testament, and the Gospel reading, usually the first reading and the Gospel reading have the same theme or topic, and that is the case. The Gospel reading is Jesus is challenging us to carry out fraternal correction. If we see our neighbor sinning or doing something wrong, it's incumbent upon us to try to, to try to correct our brother and sister. Remember, do you remember the story I told you at the beginning of our conversation from Padre Pio? If you logged in a little bit later, it's the story in which a young woman dies in a car accident. Her soul is lost because the mother did not have the courage to correct the daughter on the way that she was dressing in a provocative, seductive way. So Jesus is going to be reiterating the same thing. But I'd like to I would I'd like to jump to the very last part of the gospel and make a brief comment on that. Jesus says, If two of you agree on earth about anything for which you pray, this shall be granted by your heavenly Father. And Jesus says, where two 
for three are gathered in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Where two or more are gathered in my, ma my name. There am I in the midst of them. My friends, my friends, this is a clarion call. This is a clarion, clear, concise, convicting call to all of us to the importance of prayer. To the importance of prayer. Prayer is essential for our salvation. As air is to the lungs, so is prayer to our soul. If we do not breathe, then we will die. If we're not spiritually breathing, by constant inhaling and exhaling the, the breath of prayer, then our soul will dry up and die. But not only, my friends, is this a call to prayer, but this, my friends, is also a call for all of us to pray together. To pray together. Especially that of family prayer. The Second Vatican Council gives us a short definition of the family. And the family is defined as the domestic church. In Pope St. John Paul II, in his apostolic letter, the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Rosary, quotes Father Patrick Payton, Father Patrick Payton, who's renowned for this saying in his promotion and preaching of the Rosary. And that is the family, which is the domestic church, the family that prays together stays together. So, my friends, this Sunday, in which we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, every Sunday is a mini-Easter. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. I'd like 
before giving you my priestly blessing, invite all of you to share our message to as many of your friends as possible. Share this message. Share this message with to the whole world. And I'd like to give you, my friends, my priestly blessing, and I'll be praying for all of you in the greatest of, of all prayers, in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May God bless you and happy Sunday.